Why, hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with pureandsimplebible.com. Very grateful for your patience over an extended absence once again, and hopefully I won't have too many more of these. I have one more semester in the marriage and family therapy program that I'm doing, and I hope that I will do better at balancing some of these duties during this last semester. So hooray, I'm almost to the finish line. Jacob McKinney is with me in studio. In fact, he was with me in January. Embarrassing that I'm putting this out five months later. Uh, But Jacob was with me in studio in January, and we discussed the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, one of the most iconic um, and inspiring accounts in the Gospels. And Jacob does such a fantastic job of taking it deeper and deeper and deeper about just how afflicted this woman was. It's a great series. Let's jump right into it, shall we? In case anybody doesn't know who you are, okay, <laughs> is I ask for my guests to introduce themselves and you know give a little give a little uh, intro to who you are and and the work that you do, your family, etc. That way mm-hmm. people can okay. well, well put a little bit of flesh on the voice, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So okay. who are you? Yeah, well, my name is Jacob McKinney, and uh, my wife Tanya and I are currently with the congregation in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We've been there about. Uh, six or seven months now. Uh, before we were there, we were in Norman, Oklahoma, for about five years, and it was in Norman that I started teaching and preaching. And um, it was Matt Trent and Brent Wilson that really took me in and and introduced me to preaching. And so I did about four years of of, of work while I was there, and that came with a lot of opportunities uh, at home and abroad, and and. Uh, very thankful for my time there, and now we're in Tulsa. I'm currently back in school and and looking forward to, to what's ahead. You traveled to Malawi yes. multiple times, right? More than once? Well, just once. We had plans for two, but COVID, as everybody oh, says. Oh, oh, okay. So, but yes, I got to go with Justin Owen, and he was he was excellent. He, he showed me the ropes, and, uh-huh. and uh, we tried not to get sick, uh, and... He was unsuccessful, but I, for the most part, was successful. Now he went. Hold on, that's not the trip. That, didn't he just get go back, go again and he got sick again? <laughs> yeah, he's kind of so two he, two trips he's got this, sick on. The the time I went with him was pre COVID. It was only food poisoning. So oh okay yeah. okay. Um, so yeah, you've worked with Matt Trent. And you said mm-hmm. Brent Wilson. Yeah. Now you're up worshiping. Uh, Brother Clint DeFrancis preaching, yes, right yes. at Eleventh Street, and you're studying. You're in, in PA school. Yes, that's right? correct. Physician assistant, uh, PA school, yeah, in Tulsa. So you'll heal body and spirit. Ideally, <laughs> ideally. <laughs> okay, well, good. And uh, you married Tanya. Yes. Used to be Gubareva. Yes. Now, uh, McKinney, mm-hmm. and um, she's really a, a family friend of ours, and so we're very excited for this relationship and uh, y'all been married now for over a year just yes. over right yes just over a year it's hard to believe you actually were were our i was there <laughs> our, our our preacher at the wedding yes it yes. was uh, an interesting time with covid and everything but yes we 
we're just over a year into it now, and we couldn't be happier. And I'm glad that she was able to to be around you all, and of course go to Cambodia and and spend right. some time there with y'all. Yeah, that's some of our our best memories of uh, you know getting to enter, entertain and host and have her experience the work along with Lexi Wilson, the two of them mm-hmm. came. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, good memories. Yeah. Now you've brought. Um, a Bible study into the studio today from Mark chapter five. And uh, this woman, she's got many different titles, the woman uh, in pain, the woman with the bleeding problem, the woman, you know, uh, is yours called the woman's difficult life or is that like a subheading? That's kind of a subheading. Okay. Well, then what would you call this? I think we can call it a touch of faith. A touch of faith. A touch of faith. Yeah. I'll make sure I put that in the, uh, whenever I make the little, thumbnail that goes yeah. with it yeah. a touch of faith and i think it's a story that probably most people who who read through the new testament will remember because uh she's really kind of the side character and jesus was leaving one place going to somewhere else maybe i'm kind of spoiling the story but 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 she's kind of an on the way yeah. and then the the story will stop around her for a bit so yeah it's it's interesting uh, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as a miracle within a miracle and mm. but it is an interesting story it's one that you know you see, of course you see in Matthew Mark and Luke and you kind of gloss over it sometimes as you're reading through that and and that's what I have done for a, a long time but um, I, I stopped on it and, and decided to study it and I didn't realize how much was there until I until I stopped and, and studied these verses and it was a very rewarding study good good and i know our listeners will glean from it now what i like to do sometimes is uh maybe give a roadmap since a lot of well not a lot everybody besides you and me is only listening to this they're not going to have the benefit of the visual aid Mm -hmm. so it looks like you break it down into a few different sections uh her difficult life her active faith jesus healing power jesus kindness and then finally, how we're not much different from this woman. So it looks like kind of five sections. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you know, if you look at Mark's account, uh, he kind of starts with that introduction to her life and where she's at. And so that's where we'll start. And then he gets on to her faith and then uh, Jesus' healing power. And then Mark really kind of spends the most time talking about Jesus' reception of this woman mm. and, and how he would respond. Mm. And then that fifth point... Uh, kind of just draws applications for us and sure. makes us say, you know what, maybe we're not all that different from this woman because just like she had to come to Jesus and humility and act of faith, we also, of course, have to do the same thing today. So do you do you read it all the way through and then do this study, or do you take it verse by verse? How do you usually present this? Yeah, let's go ahead and just read these verses here. It's Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Okay. The Bible there says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the Bible says, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? 
But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a woman, and uh, I have the English standard here, so it says, who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Uh, you you begin your study by talking about this difficult life, and maybe that might be helpful for our listeners who it's very quickly gone over, but uh, and you have some medical training that, that may help us understand. Maybe there's more that meets the eye here. I think there is. Uh, obviously, this is a f- tremendous physical burden. And I think something that's maybe easy to gloss over is, you know, you think about the living conditions of this day and age, and they were far from what we're used to. And, you know, with this type of chronic bleeding, um, infection is a, definitely a concern. And I would imagine for this woman, for this being a 12-year issue, that infection was definitely something that was possible. And I would suggest that if that were to happen, if an infection did come from that, it very well could be fatal. Mm. And so it's easy to kind of look at this woman and say, you know, this is this little issue she deals with. Right. In fact, it was a tremendous burden for her physically and and very, very much... Uh, could have been a fatal uh, condition if it hadn't been dealt with. And so, yeah, obviously, perhaps, uh, perhaps it's obviously, it's a painful thing and it's uncomfortable and, and, and likely an embarrassing thing. But beyond all of this, it's, I think, a, a life-threatening type of disease that she was dealing with. I've also heard that if it's a constant flow of blood for this amount of time, that there's going to be like a, a sap of energy, right? Because, yeah, yeah. you know, somebody that's you know, has a wound and, and loses blood, then that's going to affect their ability maybe um, to think, their, mm-hmm. you know, the cognitive ability as well as just their, their range of motion. She, it seems like she's going to be more limited than the average person. That's a great point, actually. I'm glad you mentioned that because definitely you would suspect chronic bleeds, you kind of think of like anemia and, you, know, you lose your iron, and you're you're right. Uh, you you lose your energy, and and you're just not who you usually are. You you're not at a hundred percent, and that's just that's just the anemia, not to to kind of count the the other things that would come right. along with it. Right. And then you you mention how and is is this in the Gospel of Mark, where it, does it say that? Aha, uh-huh. yeah, verse twenty six, suffered under. Many physicians suffered much. What, yeah. what do we take away from that? Well, what's interesting is Mark's account is a little bit more critical of the physicians than Luke's account. And Luke was a doctor. <laughs> and Luke is a doctor, and so that's that's interesting to think about. Maybe he was closing ranks. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say anything too bad about doctors. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not sure what was going on there, but that word there, suffered, literally means to suffer pain, and so the idea is. You know, not that she went to the doctors and they turned her away or maybe they tried something and it didn't work. But looking at Mark's account, it seems like because of her visits to the doctors, she was worse from those things. And and some commentators go into a lot of detail about, 
you know, old tradition and what maybe doctors would have done for, for a condition like this. And, you know, it, it definitely was not a science. It was maybe more of a, of a superstition and a mm. ritual than, than anything uh, scientific. I, I think also, you know, since the scripture says she spends all that she has mm. on these physicians, um, that leads me to think then that she's not really able to take care of herself properly, uh, maybe with her diet, maybe with a, I mean, and, and I guess I'm kind of, I, I'm probably assuming some here, but because she's spending so much on physicians, I, it just seems like that there's some basic needs and care that she's probably missing out on. Yeah, that's another excellent point. And it's easy to kind of gloss over that she was broke, <laughs> as we say, she was out of money. Mm. So not only was there this big physical burden, you know, and this painful issue, but now there's no more money. Mm. And I think a, a really big point to mention here is, yes, this was a physical burden, but this was also a spiritual burden. This Spiritual. Is, yeah. What do you mean? Oh, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how it's not her problem, mm -hmm. it's not her fault, that you tell me now she has a spiritual burden and, and suddenly maybe... Maybe if I'm taking on the heart of a listener, I'm starting to get, feel a little bit uh, offended on her behalf. Like she's already had so much thrown her way. Now you're telling me that she's got a spiritual problem, too. Right. Well, and, you know, of course, that's not to say that that this was her fault. But if you look at old law, Leviticus chapter 15, and especially if you focus on verses 25 through 30, we see that the old law taught that a woman who had this issue was to be considered unclean. Mm. And the Bible there says that anything she touches is unclean, and mm. not only is she herself unclean, but also any anyone she touches would be unclean. Can you elaborate on maybe, uh, m maybe I have an idea of how far the ramifications of this would go, but what, what are you implying about if, if she's, because it doesn't stop, so I mean she's constantly unclean, What's this going to do for her socially, spiritually, etc.? I think the implication is that she was unable to participate in Judaism in any real and meaningful sense. I think she likely was not welcome at the temple, and 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 likely knew not to even go. You know, and you look at kind of her family life. I it's hard to know exactly what was going on, but she knew she couldn't really embrace those people, and. You know, perhaps she was no longer welcome at, at, at family gatherings or things of that nature. So mm -hmm. not only is she maybe not at the temple, maybe she's not at family gatherings, but, you know, if folks within her community were aware of this problem, they, they knew to kind of keep their distance from her. And so maybe she even was not a welcome sight out and about, maybe at the markets or in the streets or anything of that nature. And so that's kind of what I mean by more than a physical issue, this even took on maybe some spiritual mm -hmm. ramifications mm -hmm. for her. She seems very lonely. I agree. And uh, I guess I, I have that picture in my mind, maybe a lot of people do, of this woman who's on her hands and knees mm -hmm. with that hand going <laughs> up towards his garment. But this first point has helped me just appreciate how desperate this woman is that in so few words the bible is able to paint such a masterful picture of desperation for someone who's reaching out yeah i, I that's 
an important point is this was a, a desperate woman. I think, you know, if you kind of pause here and you, you, you think about this woman as she approaches Jesus, as we talk about her difficult life, she was in great pain. And it seems that she really lived as an outcast. And uh, beyond this, you know, she's out of money. And I think an important point to remember is she's growing worse. Mark mm. says she's getting worse. And so it's likely she's made fun of, perhaps, maybe ridiculed. But I would imagine that somewhere in her mind she knew that, um, you know, death might not be that far off for her. Mm-hmm. And and so this is this is the woman who approaches Jesus. She was completely out of answers, and she had tried really everything that she knew to try. Now, your, your next section, so, you know, if, if somebody were taking notes and— so maybe they've written down a woman's difficult life. Um, I'm able to see them. And you you move into this this next one called her active faith. Mm-hmm. Um, before I ask what makes her faith so active, I think a great visual, a great reminder is that, like, you started reading in the middle of another <laughs> miraculous narrative. Like, as you said earlier, it's a miracle within a miracle. Mm-hmm. So... This crowd that's around Jesus and Jesus as he is going by, he's already on a mission. And I think that's that this he's not a, it's not a casual stroll where she's reaching out to touch him. But like uh, my daughter's dying, I think is what Jairus says. Come and lay her hand, your hands on her so that she may live. Yeah. There's urgency in Jesus and his followers in this movement. Mm-hmm. And so I guess painting that picture what makes her faith so active as the master's going by? I think there's a few things in particular that you could focus on. I, I th- the first thing to mention is is what Mark mentions, and it's that this woman had heard of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And no doubt people were beginning to hear about this man named Jesus who, you know, maybe he's the, the Messiah. Maybe he's the, the coming one. And... You know, you can only imagine the stories that were floating around during this time of, well, I saw this Jesus man heal somebody, or mm-hmm. I saw him, you know, a blind man can see now, the, the lame are walking again. And and beyond that, of course, his, his teachings that were full of all of this wisdom and, and spiritual understanding that the nation of Israel was very hungry for, mm. this type of, of leadership that was very much in contrast to what was predominating during that time and so she had been hearing about Jesus and I'm not sure exactly what she had had heard for sure but one thing that seems certain is she knew that he could heal the sick and she believed to some degree that he could heal her as well Mm -hmm. it seems clear that she's aware of Jesus's healing power to some degree and it's, it's impossible to say to what degree commentators are kind of divided. Some people talk about her imperfect faith and other commentators really, you know, brag on this woman and her example. But she says to herself, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Mm. Other gospel accounts say, you know, I just need to touch the hem of his garments. Right. And what's interesting to me is this phrase, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. That's in the imperfect tense in the original Greek. What would that mean for us? So, yeah, that's a good question. That denotes that as she was 
you know, pushing her way through that crowd. And as she was getting closer to Jesus, she kept on saying within herself, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And maybe that was a reminder that she kept saying to herself, you know, like, keep on pushing. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Why would she need to keep saying that, keep pushing, you know, or, you know, pushing yourself through? Well, I think the reason is because she knows that she's really not supposed to be touching people. Right. And I think she, I mean, she just had to have been so torn because she's tried everything she has and mm-hmm. she's spent all of her money. Here's this Jesus that people keep hearing about. And she says, you know, I need his healing touch. Mm. And she says, but you know, I, this is how I picture it. I can't touch him. I'm unclean. And so perhaps she arrives at this conclusion of, I'm not going to touch him. I'm not going to touch his body or his oh, face okay. or his okay. hands. Maybe she thought, I'll just touch his clothes, even just the hem of his garment. Yeah. That kind of. You know, you can kind of picture it just dragging the ground maybe as he's walking through. She said, I'll just, maybe I'll just touch that piece of him that's dragging the ground, you know. Wow. And so what's interesting, though, is when she touches his garment, Mark records that touch here is in the aorist tense. And so it denotes a one-time touch. It's not a picture of this woman clinging to his clothing and, and maybe not letting go. Like if you drop a toddler off at daycare, you know, they... <laughs> They hold on and you drag them. This is just a, a, a simple one-time touch. And, well, that's... And that's it was really the garment, she right? Needed. She didn't get a hold of him. Yeah. It was... Well, I tell you, an English language learner would struggle with this, with this phrase. She didn't get a hold of him. She got a hold of the him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would need a, a whiteboard for that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share a story... I don't know if I've shared on the podcast. Uh, at at dinner last night, or after dinner, I was sharing a story with you, and you said, "Didn't you say that on your podcast?" So now I'm like in in super mode of, "Oh, do I have any original stories left to share?" <laughs> but I think it's original, and that is. Let me start with the moral of the story: never underestimate the power of a stout woman. So, um, I was traveling in. Central America, or not really traveling, I was just one place. I was living in uh, a little town called San Rafael del Sur in uh, Nicaragua for the summer. While I was there, a very beloved member of the church and of the local community died. Mm. And so they invited me to come to the funeral. It was in that time of year where it's the rainy season. And, and in, in the around the equator, it's like clockwork. You know that at one to three o'clock, it's going to rain. It's going to rain for an hour, and then tomorrow it'll do the same thing. Anyway, so they had a little 10 by 10 tarp set up over the uh, the grave and for the immediate family, but there was probably 100 people there. And I was kind of on the edge of the tarp. I had was able, you know, they gave me this spot where I, I would be covered if the rain came. Mm. And when the rain started to pour, and these drops are huge, that the mm-hmm. tropical rain is different than mm-hmm. what we might have up here. But anyway, I stood about a shoulder and head length higher than anyone down there. <laughs> a lot of these people in that neck of the woods were just, uh, they were short. But these women, they would crouch and get their elbows out. And I just got 
like a pinball, ding, 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 ding. I end up like 20 feet farther back and they all squeezed in and I was just soaked to the bone and they were all dry under the tarp. But I share it to say like they had reason to move and they got it done. And I, you know, looking at them and I'm thinking, here I am, this big tall guy. I, I should be able to fight back. And yet I was tossed aside. So uh, the only connection, but maybe it's helpful as a visual aid is that she's on a mission mm-hmm. and even though she does have this inner turmoil as you said she's uh she's going to get to him and she does yeah yeah it reminds me of the urgency that people had for instance when Jesus is in this home and they can't get to him so plan b is let's cut a hole in the roof yeah. you know <laughs> right we got to get right. to this guy and and there's a i can't remember who was preaching this i think it may have been Nate Dibbins at one of our gospel meetings a while ago. But there are a few times where um, he's in the city on a Sabbath, mm-hmm. and it mentions that at sundown they came. And it's almost like while the sun's up, they can't lift mats with the sick people and take them to Jesus. Yeah. But as soon as this, what what sort of sounds it must have been at dusk as suddenly... You know, all the feet pitter-pattering through the city, carrying these mats and the groanings yeah. as it turns into joy whenever they reach him. Yeah. And so here we have this woman, like you said. Sorry, I'm, I have, I tend to ramble in these stories. Good. But uh, she touches him, this one-time touch. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you kind of stop to make this point that this is faith. Yeah. And so what... Well, what would be faithful about this versus being superstitious? That's a good question. And no doubt, people were still learning about Jesus and his character. And and so, you know, I don't think she was fully aware, really, of how the situation would play out. Mm-hmm. But she was willing to, you know, kind of put herself in this vulnerable position because of the belief she had that Jesus could heal her and I think one thing that that really shows her faith is all that she could have lost from this because again this is an unclean woman and it's very possible that she thought that you know I might touch this guy and I might get you know disciplined for it I might be sent off who knows Mm. you know Mm -hmm. what was in her her mind and and what the possibilities were and we'll kind of circle back to that toward the end but uh, aware of of the possible consequences, she puts that aside in order to pursue Jesus and 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 his healing power and what that might bring her. Now you make a point about a little bit of active faith mm-hmm. versus a whole lot of inactive faith. Yeah. What what do you mean in that comparison? So when you look at this woman and and her her faith, all that she really you know, did was this little touch on his garment. And that little touch of act of faith accomplished so much for her, as we'll see. It ended this 12-year bondage that she was in. And when we look at the gospel accounts, we see folks who are in that same position. It's different circumstances, but time and again, you know, throughout his ministry, Jesus is seen commending these people who, in whatever situation they're in, he commends their active faith. Mm. And sometimes we have inactive faith, faith that we don't act on, you know. 
this woman very well could have said, you know, this Jesus person, he could heal me, but nah, I've tried everything else. What's, <laughs> what's he going to do that the doctors yeah. couldn't do, right? Yeah. And sometimes we have faith that is a little inactive. You know, maybe we're aware of, of things we could be doing for the kingdom, but maybe we talk ourselves out of doing them. You know, I'm not going to evangelize to that person. They're going to they're gonna get on to me. Right. They're going to get mad I know, at me. I already know what they'll say. Yeah, I know what they'll <laughs> say. <laughs> we, we put ourselves in this, like, omniscient role. Mm-hmm. I already know I already know what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. like. I've seen beginning and end, therefore I won't even try. Yeah, and the thing about inactive faith is that it can be crippling over time. If we, you know, maybe if you're a young man, and you doubt your ability to uh, teach mm. or to to do to participate in worship, you know you can really rob both yourself and the church of potentially a lifetime of service. Yes, maybe you take that that jump of faith and you 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 word a prayer, you 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 teach a sermon, and you know you, maybe you do that and you say, "Man, I really enjoy this." You know what you're saying. Uh, I, I think there's so many that need to hear it. I hope I'm going to find ways to get it to some who I'm thinking of. But it's reminding me of the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we really see the one talent man as kind of like a bad dude. Mm-hmm. He he was just lazy. No, he knew the master's will. He just couldn't act on it. Mm-hmm. He was afraid. And the Lord called him a wicked and lazy servant. But I think, you know, we could kind of frame what you've just talked about as somebody who has ability or maybe they have a responsibility, but they're they're not willing to act on it. It's not just hurting them. It's hurting others in the same way that that man's talent was just buried instead of it being a blessing to whatever was going on in that parable absolutely and i I kind of singled out young men but for young men and young women and Mm. and older men and older Mm -hmm. women the church Mm -hmm. i think is in desperate need of of all of us to find little areas where we can exercise a little bit of active faith Mm -hmm. and and get busy and you know especially if maybe you're a young person listening to this podcast and you're thinking what can i do the church uh, needs more of a social media presence Mm. to evangelize that's really the the way of evangelism these days it seems and maybe if you're an older person you're thinking well what can i offer the church well those younger people are in desperate need of mentors mm-hmm. i know mm-hmm. if i if it weren't for my mentors i wouldn't be in the studio with you here today there's no <laughs> telling where i would be <laughs> and so you know there's things we can all do and and we've got to get to a place where we silence that little inner voice that says don't do it don't do it. You know, you might be an older person. You say, yeah, you know, I got to go mentor this person. And that little voice pipes up and says, oh, you don't have anything you can offer them. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't need your help. Mm-hmm. They have parents and grandparents. And and I, as a somewhat young person, I, I would say that we desperately love it. Or uh, pardon me, we desperately need these these mentors to come and to share their wisdom and their experience mm-hmm. with us. And so... And I think that's really what we see from this woman is there was perhaps that inner voice that said, don't do it. You know, don't don't pursue Jesus in this way. But she pushed all that down 
and maybe that perhaps that's why she kept repeating, if only I may touch yeah. his clothes, I shall yeah. be made well. You could even say, if we're going to speculate a little bit about what the inner voice might be, she might have thought, oh, I'll just wait till later yeah. when he's on his own and I can come up and we can have a one-on-one. And the connection I'm seeing there is when somebody's convicted of sin, but they're like, oh, I don't want to you know, tell, I'm not going forward during the gospel invitation or I'm yeah. not going to talk to these people. I'm going to wait for a more convenient season, yeah, basically. Exactly. I'm going to wait for a more convenient season to make it right with God. Mm-hmm. And she could have done that, but she didn't. The, the awkwardness, the struggle to get through the crowd, like it is her zealous desire to be with the master that puts her in the middle of it in the same way that we're going to have to confront, I guess, our fears and inner demons, et cetera, to have an act of faith. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is maybe a little bit of an aside. When it comes to works, sometimes we don't engage in a work until we're fully motivated. We say, <laughs> I can't start it until I'm motivated. Yes. And what more and more research is, you you can speak to this more than I can, more and more research is showing, no, you really have to start the thing first. Maybe it's going to the gym in the morning. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, something along the lines of, of work for the kingdom. You you have to engage first, oftentimes, and then what follows is the motivation. Yeah. And so sometimes we get it backwards and we wait for that motivation and we mm-hmm. wait for that more convenient time. Mm-hmm. But what we see is the longer we wait, the harder it gets. Yeah. You know, there's a, to your point, we, we as a culture uh, might hear what you just said about if I do it without motivation... Um, I'm, I just have to fake it till I make it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that mindset. And I can't do that because then it's not authentic. But you're absolutely right that the brain, you've got your, your behaviors uh, that are focused by your thoughts. And a lot of times we're waiting for our uh, thoughts to be in a row before our behaviors change, our actions mm-hmm. change. But really, it's some of, sometimes you've, for example, um, you may be so... Maybe I'm not addressing clinical depression, but may, you may be so depressed that you feel so unmotivated that you can't do anything. And you're waiting to have it all mentally figured out so that you can then start doing things. But if you simply go brush your teeth, yeah, like that's a simple action. But yeah. you, like you haven't planned out your day, but if I'm going to go brush my teeth, then what's going to happen next? And in that action, suddenly your thought is the light bulb's going off. You know what I need to do? I need to get dressed. Exactly. I need to make the bed. Mm-hmm. And in those actions, then our thoughts. So um, I always go down the rabbit hole when people <laughs> bring stuff like this up because I I see it the exact same way that we're we're waiting to be completely motivated before we yeah. pull the trigger on things. But sometimes you just got to pull the trigger and motivation is going to follow. Yeah. Sometimes you pull the trigger and you rely on, as a Christian, that we can have this renewing of our minds each mm-hmm. day and, mm-hmm. and work and, and mold you know, become molded into the person that, that we need to be. Yes. And so, you know, back to this woman's faith, I think that that's what makes her a faithful woman, is she didn't say tomorrow. She mm-hmm. may not have been alive for tomorrow, you know. She 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 just got after it, and I think that that's where we can learn from her. Mm. Now, uh, 
for those who are taking notes or, you know, just wanting to scribble things down, maybe in the margins of their Bible, she had a difficult life. She had an active faith. But there's another element to this, this third out of five elements to this, this narrative. And that is talking about Jesus' healing power. So you kind of take the focus off her for a moment and put it on the Lord. And maybe that's you know what mm-hmm. the Bible does as well, which is why you've organized it this way. But what, what is it that's so special or unique that you've drawn out of this gospel account about Jesus' healing power? What is so special? Well, that's the cliffhanger. You got to come back next week if you want to hear Jacob's answer to that question. And it's going to be a good one. It's a great mini series. I really enjoyed that that conversation a few months ago. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to finally edit this podcast and get it out to you. And so I hope that uh, you'll come back next week whenever it airs. They usually get released on Mondays. So check back. And the best thing you can do is simply subscribe to Pure and Simple Bibles podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Google Music, if you have that one. Anyway, if you subscribe to it, then they will automatically download to your device. You'll be able to be with us the moment that those podcasts are released. So give that a try. And it's also helpful for me and for the analytics sake. So please support the channel by subscribing and leaving five-star reviews. Uh, If you really enjoy this service and this product, then leave me that review, and it's helpful for me to grow in what I need to get done, but also helpful for the channel to get uh, sent to other people as well who are looking for products like this. So until next week, go to the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com. And always remember, God loves you very much. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. Well, it's real.